amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Welcome to this edition of Talk of the Town with Frankie Darcell, a public service of iHeartMedia Detroit. We welcome your questions and comments. Join us on our Facebook, Twitter, and IG pages. Now here's your host, Frankie Darcell. And welcome to Sunday Morning Talk of the Town. My name is Frankie Darcel. You can always reach me via email at frankiedarcel at iheartmedia.com. Covering topics important to you, you can always reach out to me. And if in confidentiality, you can do that as well. The information will be between you and I. You know, as we celebrate Black History Month, it's not just history as we know it. Talking about um, the slave trade, maybe, or some very historic figures like Dr. Martin Luther King and the like, many from inventors to medicine to policy, power, and politics. History in the making and the black community is still being made. In the last week or so, lost at someone who many consider to be an absolute giant uh, and an advocate uh, for black folk in the city of Detroit on a major level and politically. I want to bring into the conversation, um, he has been around politics and unions for a very, very long time. Good to have Deron Marshall on the show. Deron Ron, good morning. Hey, good morning, Frankie. Very uh, established uh, elected official. Uh, his mom is well endeared by many and glad to have him on the show. Let me welcome former state representative and advocate for the city of Detroit, uh, former state rep uh, Keith B. Stallworth is joining me. Mr. Stallworth, good morning. Oh, good morning, Frankie. How are you? I'm doing well. Can I call you Keith? Uh, KB is fine. Uh, KB. We'll call you KB. All right, listen, so King Cole, an incredible person, incredible spirit. Yeah. Deron, first I'll start with you um, because you worked with Ken. Ken passed away, uh, sending prayers to his wife, his daughter, extended family, and friends. Your thought on Ken? Well, and, and yeah, just extending those thoughts to Debbie and to Peyton, uh, who he loves so much. Um, Ken, I've known, I met Ken in, I believe, at a Democratic convention back in, I believe, 1986. Uh, uh, year after year, I, I, I was edified in my professionalism of uh, just being around Ken. Ken was such a dynamic spirit, an intelligent, intellectual guy who could always, you know, laugh and joke and, and didn't take himself too seriously. Um, Ken represented the people. He represented the people. Uh, he, he was not only African uh, as a black man, you know, unapologetic, but he was he was a citizen. He was a citizen that believed in, in, in good uh, uh, citizen government uh, interaction. And I just and, and, and he's a loss that, you know, I, I personally, my wife and my family and I will. It'll be hard. To, it's hard to recover. But let me tell you, the things that Ken left us and uh, is it, something that we can continue to build on for the rest of our lives. All right. Thank you so much for that. KB, your thoughts about Ken. And then I want to share a letter that you wrote with our audience. Well, Frankie, it, um, it, it wasn't really a letter. It more was a um, really something that came out of the emotion that was associated with uh, so much loss that the black community has experienced, uh, and particularly in Detroit. Um, I waited 
because I wanted to see uh, how the press would react to his passing. And uh, as I assumed, even though they did a nice job in saying farewell and acknowledging him, the depth, as Duran has talked about, of his contribution, um, I felt compelled uh, to write something uh, about him, uh, really as a call to action to all those that are in public service in the continuing struggle uh, for black folks in particular to find their ways to full citizenship uh, in the state of Michigan. Mm -hmm. And Ken really dedicated his life uh, through his client relationships and the support of legislators and council members and the mayor uh, uh, in achieving that goal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So my note really was to really try to force those that have an interest in having some context as to where we are and the significance of his passing and the responsibility that it places on us. All right. You know, you know I, and uh, although I had been preparing for the passing of governmental, governmental consulting services partner, multi-client lobbyist and the city of Detroit's unelected advocate in Michigan State Capitol, Ken Cole. And I had been silent about his passing, not just because processing the death of a brother, friend, and mentee has been difficult, but because his passing in so many ways signals the end of an era of integrated policy based on representation for Detroit. Mm -hmm. And perhaps the last bastion of institutional memory capable of helping legislators grapple with the complicated politics of race that drives so much of Michigan's tax policy, appropriation, and revenue sharing. The fabric of advocacy for communities across Michigan where there are dense pockets of African-American residents residing from Pontiac to Flint, Saginaw, Benton Harbor, Battle Creek, Muskegon Heights, and more, where movement on policy issues that improve life quality and opportunity for Detroit residents also meant more opportunity for these other communities that are varying degrees have minority density. That's gone now. The fabric born out of Christian values earned in the black church, the solidarity skills learned in organized labor that elevated the life quality of the black worker, and the passionate urgency bred from freedom, civil rights, and black liberation movements. That fabric that created and sustained black minds and power in Michigan has become, unfortunately, with very few exceptions, soft and silent. Mm -hmm. Ken was one of the last advocates with enough institutional knowledge to bridge the increasing gap in understanding how past legislative actions direct current legislative challenges, mm -hmm. particularly as it relates to the distribution of state government resources by community and the race. Mm -hmm. My comments are not intended to disparage those that are doing their best to represent the interests of African Americans as best they can. There are many outstanding professionals doing that in both elected and non-elected capacities from inside and outside of government every day. 
Instead, my comments are a recognition of the lack of focus on the only things that create real opportunity for African Americans as a group. I use the term real opportunity because many initiatives are meritorious that heart uh, the achievement of equality and all the rights and benefits of full citizenship for the African American is the acquisition of sustainable economic and political power based on capital. Now I'm going to just uh, digress for a minute and read that again. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, one of the most significant things that I think someone like Ken understood, and Deron has always worked very much in this way too, we have so many underlying issues that are related to oppression. And so oppressed people have underlying health conditions. That's why COVID hit them so hard. They didn't have access to primary health care. They didn't have access to uh, a consistent uh, primary care physician. So they end up in the emergency room, and uh, as we all know, uh, Detroit community was devastated. Those kinds of things happen when you have dense populations and dense poverty and dense unemployment. You can create all kind of training programs and service programs in the world, but until you create a sustainable economic opportunity for those individuals to change their circumstance, nothing changes. And so part of our challenge in achieving the full rights and benefits of citizenship, and as we all know, African-Americans are the only ones singled out uh, as not being full citizens. Uh, you can work on many things, but those policymakers that really understand the pathway to freedom is working on things that will help us acquire sustainable economic and political power based on capital. The achievement of sustainable economic and political power based on capital is so fundamental, but it's probably the one thing that we work the least amount on. Policy initiatives come and go. The universe is full of great, good ideas, but the work for the African-American as a group has always been and must continue to be centered around deliverables that achieve control of capital, and by that I mean land, property, revenue, investment, or the self-determination, destiny, and welfare of us as a people. Ken understood that an elected official could work on hundreds of issues, but for the African-American legislator, lobbyist, and policymaker, if their core mission was not protecting, increasing, or influencing the control of capital, while balancing the professional delivery of varying and their constituent employer or client services, there would be a steady decline in population density, a steady decline in political power, and a steady decline in social economic life quality, not just in Detroit, but in all of Michigan's African American community. For his entire career, this meant progress for Detroit was synonymous with progress for Michigan's African-American community. And I think it's, it's still very much like that, although uh, now we're faced with a new challenge with reapportionment, where that identification, uh, along with the other things that created opportunity for us, uh, seems to be evaporating. Losses of control of capital in Detroit would result in losses of sustainable economic and political power, not just in Detroit, but loss of black power throughout Michigan. 
Indeed, black, black strength that a majority of Michigan legislators feared and that many felt needed to be contained, if not destroyed. Uh, unfortunately, we've reached a point where that has become a reality. And let me say this again. Michigan legislators as a whole, as a body, the body of the Michigan Senate, the body of the Michigan House, since 1970, has seen Detroit as an island and in many instances as a problem. The narratives have been consistent that because it is a city that is a problem and is incapable of self-management, there needs to be government intervention, intrusion, and in some instances, management and control. So this is not a new thing. This has been going on since the inception of black advocacy and movement that uh, reached a, a peak uh, with the election of Mayor Coleman Young. Um, I digress. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, this problem, these, these problem narratives, they're all grounded in racial politics and promoted uh, by a racist news media. And when I say that, I don't mean every person that works in the media is racist, but the mere fact that you create a narrative and you stick with it uh, over decades says that it's an institutional stigma that you have you have agreed or you believe is credible to link to a community uh, and its people. Uh, that unjust justification to pursue and enact disempowering policies to oppress and disenfranchise the majority population of Detroit uh, obviously weakens it and weakens its people. While Michigan's first African-American lobby that we all love and cherish. A. Gregory Eaton mentored Ken with the same vigor that he's taken on the personal responsibility of coaching and supporting every African-American legislator elected to the state legislature from his chair at Carubin Associates, which he began one year after Detroit's Great Rebellion in 1967. Even but we think about Greg, we, we, we have to acknowledge that it really took uh, someone with power and influence uh, who happened to be an Alabama-born white legislator from Ypsilanti that understood as best as he could, as best as a Caucasian could, that the plight and political equalization tools of African Americans needed uh, and could be changed with the right kinds of talent. He, along with a white Catholic Detroit Eastsider, made the hiring of Ken Cole possible uh, at GCSI. Uh, former Ypsilanti State Rep and Speaker of the House Gary Owen. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Coming from a southern community where the challenges of poverty affected blacks and whites alike, saw the potential to move Michigan's economy and life quality forward by harnessing the untapped skill level 
of talented African-American legislators by placing them in the forefront of policy decision-making committees in a manner that had never been done. It's, it's fair to say that without uh, the support of then the members of the Michigan Legislative Black Caucus that Speaker Owen would not have ever been elected Speaker. To his word, he kept his commitment uh, to those members. And for the first time in, in, in history, in an unprecedented move, uh, there were a majority of African-Americans that were either chairing committees uh, in the Michigan House or serving as co-vice chairs of some of the uh, outlying committees. But most significantly, uh, Representative Morris Hood from Detroit was given the subcommittee chair on a state department and budget. And again, we're talking about revenue and control of people. Uh, and he also had control of government revenue sharing, which is the formula that determines what every local government receives from all tax dollars collected. Uh, you have Representative Charlie Harrison, who was chair of transportation, uh, roads, bridge, tunnels, rail, public transit. Uh, Representative Carolyn Kilpatrick, who had uh, obviously corrections and dealt with state incarceration, treatment, rehabilitation, and release. Uh, Representative Joe Young Sr. Uh, had mental health. Uh, and uh, my beloved mother had the chair of public utilities and uh, the Honorable uh, Juanita Watkins had labor, collective bargaining, workforce development, safety. This was unprecedented. Uh, members now, all you need to do, and no matter what state you're in, what you, if you look at where members serve, uh, we tend to get trapped and locked uh, in government in social service, in service areas that don't produce revenue, they just spend money. And ironically, and people will probably get upset when I say this, the same thing is true in the, in the private sector. We get trapped into human resources. Uh, we get tracked in the customer service. We aren't on the operation side of the business. We aren't on the revenue side of the business. Because if you are, you can take those skills and then move out on your own into the private sector. We tend to be on the service side, where someone has to pay us customer service. Uh, in government, social service. Uh, Gary broke that paradigm to his credit and to the members' credit. Uh, that then were serving the city of Detroit and those black communities throughout the state of Michigan, they lived up to that mantle and did the job exceptionally. Uh, consistent with Gary's values, uh, Pat Laughlin, uh, who was formerly at the Beer and Wine Wholesalers, working with then Michigan House Speaker Curtis Hertel uh, when Gary left the legislature, they identified Ken... Uh, as potential institutional link that could service the unique challenges of an ever-changing Detroit-Lansing political dynamic that had up until that point been managed directly uh, by Detroit Mayor Coleman Young and daily by the masterful government affairs representative Marge Malarney, whom herself I was an institution. Uh, all right. And listen, I, I've got about I've got about eight minutes and there's quite a bit to cover. So I want you to give me uh, moving forward the synopsis of your note um, so I can ask just a few questions before the show ends. So go right ahead. 
Sure. I would say that, um, one, uh, there's no replacing a Ken Call. But two, it, it points out the importance of each of us taking time to understand both our legacy and responsibility. One, you don't know your story if you don't write it. You should have written his own. And so for those that you love that are doing this work, you should encourage them to write their story. Let me say that again. And Frankie, you should write yours. Deron, you should write yours. We can't uh, depend on the broader infrastructure to tell our history the way it actually is. Context is important. Uh, the battle for influence and representation and full citizenship, it continues. Uh, uh, Supreme Court Justice Bernstein said something real interesting in the oral arguments uh, related to the Detroit caucus's objection to the redistricting plan. And for those of you that don't know Justice Bernstein, he is blind. But Justice Bernstein asked the attorneys for the plaintiff, how many justices on the Michigan Supreme Court are African-American? To that, the answer was zero. He said, under the new redistricting map, how many districts will be majority African-American in the Senate? The plaintiff's attorney said zero. He said, how many districts in the House of Representatives will be majority African-American? To which the plaintiff's attorney said zero. Justice Bernstein, who is blind, said, Quite concisely, even a blind man can see that zero representation is simply that. All right. That mm -hmm. encapsulizes me. He went on to say, no matter how empathetic an individual may be to me as a blind person, unless you are blind, you don't know what it is. Ergo, representation is important. We're moving into a period in Michigan, unfortunately, where that may not be the option. Certainly, we won't have the number of African-Americans serving uh, in the state capitol. But it doesn't mean we have to lose the level of commitment bigger. In fact, we have to re-energize that. Uh, and I would say that would be a testament to Ken, to understand that even if you aren't getting paid to do this work, if you can help, you have a responsibility to chime in anyway. All right. Listen, as we get ready to close, I've got about five minutes or so. As we are looking at the whole, you know, redistricting issue uh, in the state of Michigan and across the country, but specifically speaking to the state of Michigan and Detroit, it's leadership moving forward. And one of the best contributions you can make as a seasoned person uh, as well is to be able to groom individuals and as elders to allow those young people a seat KB at the table so that we can create that kind of legacy of contribution in order to move forward and know that history. And I think there's a discussion about whether or not we've done that to groom the communities, our younger people, to be able to replace those who have gone on to glory. But with that said, as we look at moving forward, um, 
Do you feel confident with those people? And even when we look at the congressional seat that's going to be left open uh, by the Honorable Brenda Lawrence, do you feel like outside of the question about Ken that there are individuals, and I'm not going to ask you any specific names, that are groomed to do some of what needs to be done, particularly in that congressional seat, to move Detroit forward, understanding its rich history and its necessary future? No. Uh, At the... Uh, and, I, and I'll just cut through the chase. Uh, in terms of the race for to uh, fill uh, Brenda Lawrence's seat, no, there, is, there hasn't been anyone groomed for that. Uh, we do have an ample number of persons that would be great candidates. But because this, uh, this surprise hit us at the same time of redistricting, if that seat is to remain a Detroit seat that is occupied by an African-American, the communities have to make up their minds that they've got to get behind the person that has the greatest chance of electability. All right. Who do you because, think that person might be or persons uh, at this point? At, well, they're, they're, they're two people. And so what I would say you have, and they're both at differing ends of the spectrum. Uh, one person would be Sherry Gay Dagnago, who was chair of the Detroit caucus, who is active in the community. She has a name everyone knows, which gives her a jump start in pulling uh, folks together, high name recognition, she'll poll very high. The person that may not poll very high but would have a, a, a better gauge in terms of longevity just because of his youth uh, is Adam Holier. And so these are two very different candidates, uh, but both are committed to the city of Detroit. Their skill sets are substantially different. And aren't they uh, a part of a certain political elk, you think, that already exists in the city of Detroit? I'm just asking this objectively. Well, yeah. So let, let me say this. Sherry comes from a long line of, act, of activists and a, re, a very strong relationship uh, with activists and historical activists. Uh, she's been uh, 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 Annette Rainwater is, and everyone, everyone that's been around politics in Detroit knows Annette. And so Sherry's politics is very much uh, grounded in what we know as community activism and that fight for liberation. Uh, she uh, has gotten, I would say, sometimes, you know, when you, you, you're in a fight, uh, sometimes you have to learn uh, how to negotiate, too. <laughs> it's not all about fisticuffs. You're right. Uh, I think she. I think which is part of which is part of as the names have landed on my desk, the emails and text messages. <laughs> and, I, and, and as Duran will tell you, I'm pretty straight. You know, Sherry mm-hmm. can do the job. She's gonna have to. She's gonna have to learn how to moderate something in order to get along. Great. She's got to find things she can vote for and not against. And I, I, I said the same thing to, to Coleman Young Jr. you got to find things you can vote for. Mm-hmm. Can't be against everything, even though most of the stuff is just horrible, because that's the only way that you can develop relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's one, she's one candidate. The All other right. Candidate. Now, I've got, I've got about 30 seconds. Hold on, KB, for me one second. Duran, did you want to chime in in 60 seconds before we get ready to wrap? No, I just want to say, first of all, that was an excellent piece by by KB, and I'm pretty sure there's people who have, uh, you know, varying perspectives, but, you know, the history of that is important, and the history of that seat. Mm-hmm. You, know, I, you know, I, I happen, I, you know, I happen to have uh, been proud for six years to work for Carolyn Chief Kilpatrick as her district director, and then 
you know, with with Brenda Lawrence, you know, through the time she was in her in her early days of office to get on those committees. And I want to focus on those people who would who would who would. And, and you know, I spent 29 years of public service, you know, from postal president to the you know, first at first, the first federal union president in the history of America to negotiate a union shop agreement. I understand the commitment to the people. I just want to make sure that whoever gets elected, get a staff around them consistent with their energy, consistent with their efforts. Staff is important, particularly in those seats in D.C., where one individual, no matter how great you are, you can't be everywhere and you can't be in every meeting. You need some people around you that are also thinkers and leaders as well that will help you uh, build a dynamic office. All right. Listen, I'm just going to ask both of you as we move forward, um, especially to these spring and summer dates. And, you know, it starts more names are going to be thrown out there and uh, we start to get to the filings and the like. Uh, if you would join me, because I'm going to be inviting some of these individuals on just as a Q&A, because, Q&A, because one of the questions that has um, come up as well is, you know, who are you? to have this seat. What have you done? What is your pedigree? What have you committed? What has been your activism? What is your legislative background? How and who are you that the citizens that you could represent? And when we talk about Detroit, you know, that large number of African-Americans, I would love for the two of you to be a part of that conversation moving forward. KB, yes? Absolutely. All right, great. Duran, can I count on you to be in on that discussion? Absolutely, ditto. All right. Listen, KB, great piece um, as well. And it was not read in its entirety, but I think what you (laughs) did here, but I think what you did here was so significant. And as you said, it is a roadmap to a historic piece of where the state, the city of Detroit and black folk in Michigan have been. And that is so important. Now, I do have a book. Deron, I look forward to read yours. KB, do you have your document out there, your legacy in print? I've got so many pieces, but that that the actual published book will be out this spring. All right. We'll talk about that All along right. the way. I've got to go. I'm Frankie Darcel. Thank you for joining me for this edition of Sunday Morning Talk of the Town on Mix 92.3. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Talk of the Town with Frankie Darcel. The comments and opinions expressed on the show are those of the guests and not iHeartMedia or its management. Join us next Sunday at 6 a.m. for Talk of the Town. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. 